0: Thank you to everyone who supports the show and all of the shows at the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you're not already, you can become a Major Spoilers member just like Scott Johnson. No, not that Scott Johnson, but still a really cool Scott Johnson, who is our newest yearly patron. He knew what was going on. He enjoys shows like the Major Spoilers Podcast. He signed up at Patreon.com slash Major Spoilers, and so should you. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew.
1: I'm Ashley. And I'm
0: Stephen, and uh, I almost said Rodrigo, but he's not (laughs) here this week. See what what happens, people, when you don't become patrons over at patreon.com slash Spoilers. We can only have three people in the show at one time. Anyway, I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans, but only three at a time. In this
2: issue, time now for the incredible exploits of Mandrake the Magician and his powerful major, Domo Lothar, adventuring across 1935, plus news on the latest MCU projects, RPG news, comics of all stripes, and more. It's a fine kettle of fish, a lovely howdy-do, and another fine mess you've gotten us into as the Major Spoilers Podcast takes to the air. We certainly do.
0: Welcome to the Major Spoilers Podcast, issue 940. Oh, my goodness, I cannot believe we've made it this far without killing each other. It's probably a good thing that we're located in three Maybe. different locations, hidden deep wow. within the earth, protecting us all from the disaster that is to come. The killers, what is it? The hidden kingdom of murderers. Uh, uh, we'll talk more about that later in the show. But first, Ashley, let us do some news.
1: Heck yeah. So, Kevin Feige, everybody's favorite white guy, has confirmed that (laughs) we will first meet Ironheart, played by Donnie Thorne, in the Black Panther Wakanda Forever movie ahead of her own Disney Plus series. Ironheart, a.k.a. Riri Williams, was introduced in the Martin... I'm crushing this, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Was introduced into Marvel Comics in 2016 as a 15-year-old MIT student who reverse engineers Iron Man's armor in order to create her own suit. And with the support of Tony Stark, another everyone's favorite white guy, Riri takes on the name Ironheart and becomes a superhero. There is no word on the release of the Ironheart series. The production has begun. Steeple fingers. While Black Panther 2 is scheduled to arrive on July 8th, 2022. Fam, I will also let you know that if you have read the Ta-Nehisi Coates Black Panther series, there's this really great advanced School science school in Wakanda. And that mm. is Ashley's conspiracy tinfoil hat theory for yeah. where Riri is going to be introduced slash yep. maybe as um, Shuri's intern. I don't know. Wakanda probably pays all of their laborers. So assistant, yep. let's say assistant. Yeah. I can't I freaking w- wait. And and I think this will actually help with some of the what are we doing with Black Panther 2 that mm-hmm. is inevitably in the ethos right now
0: that was my very first thought was oh this makes sense that riri and shuri would probably be friends because they're both tech wakanda is tech and so it would make sense that somehow they connect in that way so this is not a surprise at all to me uh and it's just part of the whole one thing leads to the next thing leads to the next thing that we've seen out of marvel since the very beginning so for her to show up in a in a uh marvel movie and then to go uh Two months later, or whatever it will be, onto Disney Plus. At, that totally works for me.
2: Plus, they have a built-in portmanteau name
0: of Shuri. There you go for people oh. that want to already start
1: My matching God. those together. That's Why we're here? So cute. That's why I'm
0: here. And speaking oh, but, of, yeah, I was going to say Iron
2: the Marvel Universe.
0: I was going to say Iron Man's death, Tony Stark's death. What's going on with all of that uh, technology? Oh, that's a good question. So, like uh, Disney Plus is going to give us the armor wars
2: they have uh hired a yasser lester to adapt the armor Wars story for streaming a media through disney plus uh it's a television series featuring don Cheatles james quote unquote roadie quote unquote Rhodes as the war machine as he figures out what to do when all the iron man technology falls into the wrong hands now when you say wrong hands i'm
0: thinking like reed richards this is how we get the. Oh, Fantastic this is how we four. get the Fantastic Four, and this is how we get the X Men, and because I mean, it's going to be Bishop that uh, got all the the Iron Man armor, right? So that's As how we introduce the X Men.
1: Omer reprising his oh, role man. from Days of Future Past. Oh, that, oh, would God, that would
0: actually be so pretty cool. cool. That would be really cool. You know cool. what? If they finally give me a sunspot
2: who doesn't have fire powers, I don't care who plays him. Um, but here's the thing: think about this. Now we can have the Rodi Riri team up, and their portmanteau name would be Rodri.
1: A missed opportunity, not making her his niece, in my opinion.
2: Mm, yeah, Ooh, that would yeah. be interesting. I, mm-hmm. I wonder if they wanted to kind of stay away from like the literal patriarchy thing.
0: I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I'm very interested to see what they do, or if um, uh, Mrs. Tony Stark and the kids show up in any future movies. I'll be very interested to see where that story goes, um, right, and whether essentially we reprise Robert Downey Jr. He becomes the new Jarvis voice or anything like that, Uh, especially with Riri's character, because isn't uh, Tony an AI in her suit in that series? At one point,
2: uh, not currently, but at one point, yes, the AI in her suit was a little Tony Stark. Yeah. Uh, That was before her latest armor redesign, which, by the way, the new armor design is solid.
0: uh, So heads up, everybody. Three out of the four people on this podcast did not care for Armor Wars, uh, the comic book story. So I wonder if they're going to do a straight up adaptation of that, Matthew, or not.
2: Well, I don't think they're going to be able to do a straight adaptation because part of the main thrust of that was uh, Iron Man and Captain America being mad at each other, which they've already done. Yeah but i feel like you could do something similar with war machine i mean you might even be able to bring back baby kurt russell as the usa jerk in a, a meaningful way at that point but
1: i don't know baby i see kurt do 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 do, do baby <laughs> kurt do do, do do that's about as much as i can get away with before someone claims right yeah <laughs> oh
0: man go look at the yeah. go look at the history of that song ashley your mind will Let's be blown Let's not
1: it's Just it's other than Paw Patrol, it is the children's media I hate the most <laughs> on this earth currently. It's Paw Patrol overtaking in the Night Garden.
2: Oh, you've probably never seen JJ the Jet in the. Never mind. Anyway, yeah.
0: Oh, don't don't forget uh, what is it? PJ PJ Bichanimals or whatever that is—the little superheroes that go out at night. Masks. Yeah, PJ Masks. PJ Masks. Masks.
2: I love PJ Masks. PJ Masks is legitimately good. They're like they're like little Canadian babies running around.
0: Oh, that's right. They're Canadian. I'm sorry. I have offended Canada. Canada. I'm sorry. PJ Masks will will uh, more than make up for the horrible (laughs) horrible Caillou. Shame on you Canada. Finally, in our final story this week. If you enjoy the Zombie Side yeah, Tabletop <laughs> If you are enjoy the Zombie Side Tabletop, tabletop game started.
1: from Come on All oh, Them
0: That's all right. Asmodee is adapting the game into a role-playing game for you to continue your zombie slaying adventures. Players can create their own survivor characters from scratch or use pre-generated ones to explore the rich setting of the Zombie Side Chronicles World. Uh, the uh, RPG book offers the main rules and mission types for players to play through RPG adventures. And of course, if your RPG requires miniatures, you have the whole Zombicide game where you can pull your miniatures from that and throw them on the board. Uh, this is coming, I want to say, in November of this year. You can find out more over at uh, Come On C M O N. I know they keep changing their name, Cool Mini or not, Simon. Uh, but I think I think everybody now today calls it. Come on and come on oh. up people now. uh you know we want you to, we want you to head over to our discord server where you can talk about these stories and a whole lot more. You can talk about PJ mask. You can talk about, uh, uh, Pajanimals. You can talk about, uh, Caillou. I mean, don't you're talk about, about, bananas, Caillou. You,
1: about <laughs> Shusha? bananas. You can talk bananas, about the, our the wuggles, the, <laughs> <laughs> the wiggles, the wig. I love oh, the, the wiggles, wiggles, not the also wiggles. Legitimately good. There's a girl stay.
0: wiggle now, you guys. It's no. gonna... There was a nice little heartwarming story uh, about um, a girl with down syndrome who was in the hospital and they wanted mm-hmm. her to put on her oxygen mask so she can breathe. Cause she's got the COVID and uh-huh. um, the wiggles uh, heard about this, that she was refusing to put on oxygen. And so they made this cute little video about why it was important to put on the mask and how easy it was and how it made you breathe better. And they had a little song and everything and sent it to her. And then she decided to put on her mask. Oh, go Wiggles. Yeah, I know, Right. So there you go. Something good can come out of children's entertainment. I suppose something good can even come out of Caillou, I suppose, Canada,
2: but (sighs) Caillou is actually French. And you know what it means? A horrid child. It's the sound that a coyote makes
0: (laughs) while he's killing a young child.
1: It literally means, yeah, it's like a cry sound. So it tells you in the name that he's a little (laughs) POS.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) He's just going to be yelling
0: listeners. You can join our discord server for free and talk about all this stuff and a whole lot more. You can find (laughs) a link in the show notes, or if you want to join in and get access to a bunch of exclusive channels, you can connect your Patreon account to the Discord server, and then you get access to these other channels, include the live, including the live Thursday night recording of the Dueling Review podcast. This week, we are taking a look at Superman 78. That should be a lot of fun. You can find out how you can connect your Patreon and your Discord together when you become a member at patreon.com slash major spoilers. And, oh, if you're wondering, oh, you guys didn't talk about Eternals or Cowboy Bebop or the Spider-Man Beboy trailer, Cowbop. what gives... I'm going to tell you, we did like wrong f- you are. 45 yeah. minutes of talk in the Major Spoilers pre-show this week. You can find out more about that. It's not quite 45 minutes, it's probably 30 minutes. You can find out more about that again over at Patreon.com slash Major Spoilers. All right. Let us jump into some reviews. Le revoir. Ashley, the new uh, Titans series season has launched over there at the HBO Max. What's going on with the Titans?
1: True. Oh, so many things. This season is Nightwing and his amazing friends set against the backdrop of Gotham. So it's pretty much finally the show I've always wanted it to be. (laughs) And as um, alluded to by all of the concept art and trailers and pretty much every piece of media that has been made about season three, specifically Red Hood is on the rise. Um, And because this is Titans and because this is a post Arrowverse show, um, it's all happening really fast. <laughs> we're not mm. exactly getting Jason being dead for years or anything like that. And uh, so we're on episode, f- oh my God, three or four? What did I write down? Four.
0: Four. Three.
1: It's episode four. I think I wrote three. Yep, episode four. In episode four, which is the one I am talking about, I'm a very good journalist, um, we get the confrontation between Brandon Thwaites Dick Grayson and Curran Walters, Jason Todd, now Coombe Red Hood, because we met Tim Drake in the first episode, and he hasn't got back yet. And this episode is called Blackfire, but the best thing about it is all of the under the Red Hood stuff, Mm. and it is pretty much what you would think of when you think of the Under the Red Hood story. If you just kind of wipe away all the magic al Ghul stuff, that could come later. There's definitely enough time in future episodes to bring that up, but somehow I don't think so. It's already a really big cast. And uh, so if you think of a compact version of that that ends in a big, awesome fight, that is what this episode is. And that's kind of all I want from titans i want familiar storylines season two was the judas contract it's why it remains my favorite season so far we're only four episodes into season three um and i want cool action because it's superheroes and this episode really delivers that i think brendan brenton thwaites and curran walters do a really good job when you see them in the costume brenton thwaites has a silly mask but that's okay he looks great in the suit otherwise i don't Mm. mind Um, Blackfire, like, is cool, or whatever, but it's a lot that happens in one episode, because there's a character, one of the Titans dies in this episode, and it's not Jason. Jason died a million years ago in the Titans' history, um, but if you, if you, um, are, someone who's like into casting and news and entertainment you know that this person was cast as the title character in something else so there was no way that they were going to mm. stick around forever um but man remember the original titans trailer where robin was like f batman it's yeah. definitely that approach to getting rid of this character they don't just wow. like retire and right <laughs> off into the sunset and so we're dealing with the aftermath of all of that, and I have come to a piece with Titans and how dark it is, and I know that is a big turnoff for a lot of people, and it, it, it will keep some people from watching the show. Um, the thing you should actually take issue with is the man who assaulted people on set, who we now have to watch for the rest of mm-hmm. the season. Not with the tone. If you don't like the tone, that's fine, but I can meet the tone where it is, and the first episode of the season and this fourth episode of the season really gave me sad bat family boy feels which is all i want from titans the fight was so cool and i it's been in my opinion there was a little slump in uh, episode two and three so i was really really happy to see this pick back up and i might also be extra biased because like under the red hood is one of my uh, all-time favorite batman stories i think that and um The Lost Years, the sort of that tells you what Jason was up to Mm -hmm. before Under the Red Hood, are, like, such good Jason Todd stories, Um, and I think that all the rest of his stories should come up to that level, but I really dug it, and this season is—it is Nightwing and his amazing friends, which is weird, because there's, like, 19 Titans now, (laughs) and I don't really know if they're all going to be serviced, but for my biases, this was a great episode— Uh, the fight at the end is really cool. And I've seen people on Twitter shouting out specific wrestling moves that the characters are utilizing. (laughs) So if that is your jam, there's a lot of fun Easter eggs that are going around for references. So I don't know if that is like, if Jason Todd is specifically referencing people that he likes in universe, but I think that's really cute as well.
0: Nice. How many slices of meatloaf are you giving this?
1: Four out of five slices of meatloaf because, uh, it is still Titans and it's a little silly but I loved
2: it. So wait, did did they kill off
1: Aquaman? There's no Aquaman in this.
3: No,
0: not anymore. An Cause Aquaman. he's dead. Matthew.
1: No, <laughs>
0: there's an Aquaman in this. Nope. There's
1: not. There was there an is. Aquaman in this. No, nope. Aqualad, right? No,
2: Aqualad is dead. I'm talking about the actor who played Aquaman in Smallville. Who's part of a certain, well, there's
1: team. no Aquaman in the show. So I uh, call him Aquaman. I don't know. I never watched. I've seen one episode of, of Smallville.
2: There's a it's red the bird one. and there's a blue bird and he's a red bird.
1: It's but not a Robin. That, uh, Booster Gold is in us. the Smallville episode I've seen. <laughs>
0: nice. <laughs> okay. I, I do have a question, though, because unfortunately, unfortunately, I, I watched that first couple of episodes of Titans when it mm-hmm. was on the DC uh, thing. And then of course, because the DC thing was complicated and not easy to navigate. Now you started the
1: season one finale and watched I know forward. that's what you say.
0: But I but I have some questions. because I did enjoy the first couple of episodes, but then I just kind of drifted away because it was like, oh, it's on that app that I never go to or on that website that I never go to. And so it quickly just yeah, fell it was, away. It was never
1: even an app. It was yeah. it was just the website. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, but I'm wondering, do they have things that are totally verboten? That they can use, for example, I mean, is the Joker in the Titans killing um, uh, Jason Todd? Do we do we see that? Is Ra's yes. al Ghoul part of this? Yes. Or is that stuff that they're like, no, 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 you can't uh, touch that there's
1: stuff? There's no al Ghuls so far, but there's okay. definitely, like, there's enough, like, we don't know how Jason came back. Um, so there's definitely room for it, but yes, the, the jokers in it, you see him, he's in the trailers too. So like, don't yell spoilers at me. Okay. Okay. You came to this podcast You knew what you were doing. Yes,
0: exactly. Uh, listener. I mean, spoilers don't bother me. I was just curious. I mean, if there's things that they can, that they have to avoid. Because it's being used by some other property.
1: I will. Bruce Wayne is all over this, but I will say Batman wow, okay. is not. So I think that might be the thing. Uh, yeah. I am like the only person in the world who likes Ian Glenn's Bruce Wayne, but I think it's just because I think he looks like a hot English teacher. So does
2: this he series also have, have a cyborg? Hot, but he's very old. No, they don't have cyborg here. Cyborg is in so
1: cyborg Pat- is on Doom Patrol.
0: Okay, because I could I didn't know if we had three uh, cyborgs running around on three different series or not. Uh, the well, if you Justice count League movies the animated and then Teen
1: Titans. Then we do.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, so it's only on Teen
2: Titans and Teen Titans go would make five.
0: Yeah. Two, oh yeah. That's don't, so don't true. get me started. I, I, as I've said before, I think uh, cyborg is the most versatile character DC has because you can slot yeah. him into any age group and he's going to work in all of those age groups. You can't I do that with Batman. This, but, you can't do that with, you can't do that with Superman, but cyborg yeah. definitely does.
2: The, the Titans series has had the best Deathstroke in years. Mm. Their Isai Morales Deathstroke was just incredible. It was one of the things, I, was it season? I can't remember if he pops up in season two or where, but when he, he starts popping up, I'm like, oh, this guy's scary. You probably have to if it, they and did. And then he became uh,
1: an anti-vaxxer, and you were like, wow, this guy's scary.
0: <laughs> Isai Morales. So or let, us, let us go from Black Fire to the Blue Flame, Matthew.
1: The
2: blue. Oh, nice. flame. <laughs> yeah, Stephen,
0: Stephen's good for those sort of things.
2: Uh, yeah. The blue flame uh, issue number four came out right now. You guys came out today written by Christopher Cantwell art by uh, Kurt Russell. Actually, I think the colors are by Kurt Russell. Uh, the art is Adam Gorham. But here's the deal about the blue flame. You guys know a guy named Hal Jordan,
0: right? I mean, not personally, but, I mean, I've name-dropped him a couple of times.
1: I actually do know a human person named Hal Jordan. (laughs) Right. Hal Jordan,
0: uh, the Green Lantern,
2: is this uh, guy who uh, goes to space and and shoots things with his pew-pew ring. The Blue Flame, uh, and I accidentally reviewed episode or issue number three for uh, Majorspoilers.com. You should check it out. And after reading issue three for the first time I went back and read one, two and three before I did my review. So the blue flame number four is something I was looking forward to because issue three was just like, what? And it feels like a weird alternate universe green lantern story, but also very realistic, very down to earth. Essentially. We're seeing two separate realities. One in which Sam is the blue flame, a cosmic powered hero who is about to go and defend earth in a cosmic trial to keep it from being destroyed. While at the same time, Sam is also a man who was a local hero on earth with no superpowers other than a flamethrower that he wore on his back, whose friends were all shot by a would be supervillain. None of them actually had superpowers. And now he's having to deal with post-traumatic stress disorder and uh, injuries and partial paralysis. So these two stories are linking together in really, Weird ways, and I'm still not 100% clear on mm-hmm. what's actually happening here, but it's the not 100% clear in the things are slowly unfolding and I want to be here when it all starts to actually load us out into a big explosive fireball mm-hmm. and not the I have no idea what's going on here. But this issue deepens both stories because Sam finally comes to terms with his sister who has been taking care of him for the seven months since his accident. And also with the prosecutor who's possibly going to destroy his home world. um, Because he's, you know, sitting there getting ready to do his thing in the national space court. And all of a sudden there's an emergency that needs taking care of. And he's like, I'm a superhero. I'm going to take care of this. And he starts to take care of it. And he ends up working together With his enemy, with the prosecutor, to try and save the day. It's a really, really nice moment. And I feel like if you told this story in the DC universe as a Green Lantern reboot, where, you know, the bad guy is a Sinestro rather than random red alien, this would be one of the best Green Lantern stories you've ever read. And it's not. But the Blue Flame is a really good story. It's a really, really good book. I really enjoy Gorham's art. I feel like the design work on the, just the flame himself is great. Because, you know, I'm a sucker for a good costume. But this also has space sequences and outer space and aliens and spaceships and all of these things that you see that are really cool designs, really unique. It doesn't feel like something you've seen a million times before. And then we see him at home in his skeevy apartment in Ontario, and you're just like, that also looks good. I know what Ontario looks like. I've seen Scott Pilgrim. And so I feel like the ability to transition back and forth, both in terms of the writing and the art, make this book stand out. You know, I, uh, Christopher Cantwell is currently the writer for Iron Man uh, at Marvel, and I really, really like his work there. I have to put him on the list of people who I like him better on his own creator-owned works, because this book is really solid. Mm -hmm. Uh, This issue Three and a Half Slices of Meatloaf. It does end a little bit abruptly, and I do feel like you kind of have to go, oh, I wanted more of this. But really, really a good issue. Well, above average on the Blue Flame number four. I don't know if it's an ongoing or a six-issue limited, but either way, I am like hanging on the edge of my seat for this thing. It's a really well done book.
0: You know, with all of the publishers that we have these days. I I know Mm -hmm. back in the day when I was a a young child, the only thing that you had to worry about was getting the uh, X mutants and X mutants confused uh, from their titles or X-Men and the X mutants. But Mm -hmm. when I saw the blue flame, I was like, Oh great. It's another one of the power Rangers uh, books over at image. And then I was like, wait, no blue flame is I'm thinking of radiant black. And then I know that we have (laughs) mighty Morphin, and we have power Rangers going on at boom studios. But over at image, mm-hmm. they have the one that's the multiverse story that you like, Matthew. The um, all the presidents in crisis. Yeah, yeah, the commanders in crisis. And then they have another one that is like crisis. I forget crossover. what the other. Yeah, the yeah the crossover book. And I always get mm-hmm. those two confused too because they just seem very similar to one another. And I don't know if you guys run into that now, where you're like, oh, I cannot wait to pick up this book, like the blue flame, thinking that it is radiant black, and then you're like, wait a minute, this is not even the comic that I thought I was picking up. No offense to Ron yeah. land back in 1986. Cause man, I really dug the X-Mutants <laughs> back then.
2: Oh yeah. X-Mutants was great. I also uh, really enjoyed his work on the eradicators. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that happens, but it's also something that I'm perfectly down for because I would rather have an embarrassment of riches. Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. if you've got so many books Reach. that that you're enjoying, You know, by multiple – because, you know, when we were kids, Stephen, there were four publishers. Oh, yeah. There was Marvel, there was DC, there was Whitman, and then there was somebody else. (laughs) Whoever was doing Star Wars at the time. Oh, no, that was Marvel at the time. Yeah. Marvel had this Star Wars. I mean – but, you know, now there are literally a dozen publishers putting out really great books month A month. There are things where, you know, you can go and you can read a book written by this girl, uh, this Robinson girl from Canada uh, called Jupiter Jet. I love that book, but you can also go and you can be like, "Hey, what weird, wacky stuff is going to happen in the Marvel universe or the DC universe?" And then you can go and you can read your image comics. Oh no, I'm not saying that
0: there's too many comics. Yeah, I'm not saying that there's too many comics. I'm just saying that oftentimes they come too close to one another, kind of like what Marvel used to do. Is like a DC had Identity Crisis and Marvel had uh, (laughs) Identity Disc. Yeah, Identity Disc or whatever it was. Yeah. I, think I that mean, that's
1: always, point. always happening across all mediums too. Like that happens mm-hmm. in film all the time. Yeah. And then yeah. TV yep. just full out copies. Like everything is doing the Mandalorian right now. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah. And you know, you get to a point where yeah, you're watching your TV and all of a sudden there's three Columbus movies mm-hmm. or what was it? It was, uh, there was a bunch of Robin hood movies in 93 and I'm like, yeah, now
0: that does happen really quite so a bit so as I'm well. Good. But obviously the, um, radiant black and blue flame are two different, uh, um, types of stories, but, right? You know, Where one is totally, kind of more of a Power totally Rangers. Not as
2: different as you think.
0: Really? Uh, so, do we have? <laughs> yeah. Does Blue Flame have a red flame and a yellow flame and an orange flame, and they all form the head, or what? Okay. Or is that that's not? <laughs> Nobody out forms
2: yet. the head, but Voltron. <laughs> uh,
1: I, you, and you really by the way, that get... Rick and Morty episode was excellent. <laughs> oh, it was. It was
0: really good. And oh, now I, I talked about it on the pre-show, or at least I talked about it on the dueling review pre-show with Matthew. Yes, actually, if you have not go onto YouTube uh, and look up the Rick and Morty shorts, the exclusive that they run on on the Adult Swim channel. There is one that's kind of like a Japanese version of that Rick and Morty oh, episode.
1: Yes. Uh-huh. That is just <laughs> mind bending.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's literally giant robot type fighting stuff. Uh, it's really good. I think you would I think you would get a kick out of that. So okay. um, speaking of stories that kind of come out of nowhere and surprise you. Spider-Man life story annual number one is out this week for Marvel comics from Chip Zdarsky and Mark Bagley. I have no idea what universe this is set in because it's not set in an ultimate universe. And it's certainly not set in our current continuity universe, but, or the six one six continuity universe, but it is set in the same universe or a a universe in which J. Jonah Jameson paid Matt. What's his name? Gagnon to become Scorpion. Um, And so this kind of spins out of this, right? What happens when the scorpion is finally caught and he starts spilling the beans and J Jonah Jameson ends up going to jail and basically spends his entire life in jail, blaming all of his troubles on Spider-Man and having to go through, you know, his son going up into space and, and kind of being uh, his dad as an embarrassment because he's in jail and disgraced and, and Jameson becoming friends with a um, uh, green goblin uh, through the course of their incarceration together and Jameson going through counseling sessions in prison where he's just writing his memoirs like a crazy man. And he's willing to put all the blame for all of his woes on someone else and never really accepting the blame for himself until the very, very end of the story. And I was not prepared for this kind of a story. I mean, we see him, it starts in like 1965 and it follows him in prison all the way through, I think present day, um, where he's an old man getting out, uh, getting out on parole finally. And his last act as trying to make, uh, uh, what is it? Contrition for, for his sins against Spider-Man. I wasn't prepared for how good the story was going to be. I, I really thought it was just going to be this hokey thing where we're just following, J. Jonah Jameson as he continues to, you know, basically, uh, we're seeing J. Jonah Jameson's side of the story through all of the Spider-Man, uh, years. And that is not what this is because the minute he's in jail and he doesn't get out, I'm like, where's this story going? And then you really look at this idea of, you know, you really need to take the blame for your own actions as opposed to blaming them on someone else. And it turned out to be a fantastic story. Uh, some people may not like Mark Bagley's art. I really enjoy Mark Bagley's art because of um, the Ultimate Spider-Man series. So it's in it, there's a lot of that kind of style that goes on. Uh, I just really enjoyed this issue a lot. It is an annual. It is 40 pages. The cost, I think, is a dollar more than what you're normally picking up. But four and a half slices of meatloaf for this one. It is really good. Really knocked it out of the park. It is a done-in-one, but it is a different... J Jonah Jameson story that than you will ever read. And, you know, just give you a little hint. I mean, he is an old man. He does die at the end of this. I mean, the name of the book is life story. Uh, so we do get to see what happens to J Jonah, J Jonah Jameson in this reality. And it's, it's good. It's really good. I think people will, will get a kick out of it. So go and check that out. In fact, if you want to buy Spider-Man life story, annual number no. one, or the blue flame, Uh, There are links in the show notes where you can click and they will take you to the Comixology affiliate program that we have. So if you want to go and buy Spider-Man Life Story Annual Number 1, just click on that Comixology link. It'll take you to Comixology. You complete your purchase. And a little bit comes back our way. It, it, you should know by now that Comixology is owned by Amazon and they have an affiliate program that works very much uh, like the Amazon affiliate program does. So when you buy something, a little bit comes back our way. Same way if you go over to the Major Spoilers website and you click on the Comixology uh, link at the top of the page or one of the other Comixology links that show up in our reviews or on the side columns or anything like that. When you click on that, again, we get a little bit back for every purchase you make uh, and it does allow us to bring a third uh, guest into the show this week in the form of Ashley Victoria Robinson instead of uh, you know <laughs> doing the old uh, Charlie Chaplin by turning instead our pockets inside of Rodrigo. And out.
1: Rodrigo, uh, well, it's uh, you know
0: the uh, the other option uh, was to reach into my pockets and pull them inside out like Charlie Chaplin does and go up. Oh, no money, can't have anybody on the show this week. Um, but, uh, yeah, so please continue to use those affiliate, uh, link. Programs. And then
2: it would just be Steven with forks and potatoes doing uh, a little yes,
0: dance, doing a little dance and eating uh, shoe leather as my major spoilers HQ is about to fall off the side of a mountain. I think you're thinking of Harold Lloyd in that last one. No, 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 no. Both of those are uh, gold rush. Uh, Charlie Chaplin goes, <laughs> yeah. uh, up North to the Yukon. Uh, oh, by I think the way, actually, of the front of the house falling down and that's Buster Keaton. That would be Buster Keaton. Yeah. You're thinking of
1: from your neck of the woods. I don't know where he
0: grew up. I want to say somewhere around here. I don't know if, I don't know if he is, um, he was born. Let's see if we can find out where he was. Joseph Francis. Oh yeah. He was born in, in Pequa, Kansas. I don't know where Kansas is. It's actually, uh, Pequa, Kansas is actually in Jason's neck of the woods.
1: Well, it's in your part of the country compared to me. <laughs> it is. It most
0: definitely is, but it's it's, it's really located in that southwest. I'm sorry, that southeast corner of the state, kind of where Jones It's near born. Yates Center. Yeah. Oh, well, I used to play between
2: Toronto and Cuba.
0: I used to <laughs> play basketball in Yates Center all the time and uh when I was growing up in in high school. Uh, but, Ashley, speaking of uh, the Yukon, you will be very pleased to know that my son is taking what <laughs> he considered. He considered it was going to be his easy class of the year. He's taking mm-hmm. world geography, and he's kind of mad because um, uh, this week by Friday, he has to memorize all of the provinces, the states of Canada and Mexico. And so I was oh, quizzing like, him there's on. There's
1: only 13. It's not that many. <laughs> well, he yes. has to do
0: Mexico, too. But, I mean, for him, maybe memorizing, you know, I was like, so. Where is, uh, what is the westernmost state in Canada? What is the easternmost state in Canada? Can you find them on the map? Uh, and he was a little nailing those out pretty well. So I asked him, okay. he doesn't know the capitals though, because I was asking him what was the, uh, the capital of Saskatchewan and he didn't know that. So
1: Saskatoon, it no, it's Regina.
2: Virginia.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That one I know because of Deadpool. I only know that one because it makes me giggle every time.
2: <laughs> let's see the easternmost would be see i don't know for sure my brain wants to it's say where ashley's it from. actually
1: no i'm not from there
2: <laughs>
1: ashley's from the middle yeah kind of the middle kind east of the, part of canada i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna fail newfoundland my newfoundland
2: or prince edward island is the the eastern it's, New,
1: it's newfoundland it's in its own time zone
2: yeah it's on its own okay. thing and then the western Lab- the labrador the
1: part of newfoundland and labrador
2: but. wait, there's a Labrador.
1: Yeah. So the oh, province yeah. is actually called Newfoundland and Labrador. Cause there's quite a large Island out there, which is called Labrador. So
2: is that mm. where the retrievers come from? Yeah. Yep. So like the, the westernmost would be the Yukon territory, right? Mm, no, no.
1: What would British it be? Columbia. Yeah. British that's what Columbia. I said
0: too. But he was like,
1: uh, but isn't like,
0: uh, the Yucatan. Isn't that like technically, well, if you look at the map a little bit more West, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah, uh, isn't that just a little? Yeah, the Yukon just a little bit more west than British Columbia.
1: is a little bit more west, but the Yukon is definitely not. Yeah, Uh,
0: (laughs) you'll be you'll be happy to know that I have talked to an actual Canadian (laughs) today.
1: Well, oh, I'm sorry, I can't say that she's 10? There's ten provinces and three territories.
0: Okay, how many provinces can you name, Stephen, without cheating? Oh, I'm already on the map because I had to look up something. Oh, well, I could I could use I could do Yukon, British Columbia. Um, Newfoundland, a province, uh, Saskatchewan, it's a territory. Um, Saskatchewan. Uh, what's a the what's the one that is? Uh, b- 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 what am I thinking of? Ontario, uh, and that's probably all the ones I can name. What is that? Six. Uh, I think uh, so. It's what about Quebec. Get your
2: Quebec.
1: Quebec. Yeah.
0: It's fun to say it's
2: Quebec.
1: Five.
0: And no- Nova Scotia.
2: Nova
1: um, Scotia. Six.
2: Um, Jericho is from Winnipeg, and I can't ever remember what state it's
0: in. And then there's a whole
2: section uh, just called.
0: There's a whole section just called Northwest Territories.
1: Oh wait, uh, Lance. Yeah, Storm it's named from, after the Northwest Company, which occupied it from the uh, Indigenous people. See, I and have then to go, go through rest. competition to the Hudson Bay Company.
2: Lance Storm always introduced himself as from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So Alberta yeah. mm-hmm. is a territory.
1: No, what are we it's missing? Just, it's a province.
0: Same thing. Um, and then there's uh, you
2: know, Nunavut. It's, what's, it's it's what's,
1: broken up by population. You have uh, eight, eight of thirteen. Mm-hmm. British what, Columbia. Nunavut. You said British Columbia already. Newfoundland, yeah, that's nine.
0: Nunavut. Um, Prince Edward Island, did we say that? In
1: Prince in Edward U, Island? That's
0: 10.
1: Uh-huh. Nunavut, said, yeah.
0: What is that? Yes. And that's just a is does anybody that's occupy accurate. that that space? I'm Are there just like a? does anybody occupy that space or is it just kind of like very sparsely populated because it is very far north
1: uh, oh i mean it's sparsely populated it's the only um so it it has a really interesting source of governance so it is actually um the only province or territory that is ruled by an indigenous council of people so it oh, nice. is sort of this autonomous new in- state it's really it's created in 1999 nice.
0: that's cool And and that goes yep. all the way up to the north not all the way up to the north pole does it
1: I mean, it's, it's, uh, I think it's almost uh, exclusively above the Arctic circle. Yes.
0: Okay. Yeah. Wow. America. It is, uh, so it's pretty cool. And so they pretty much thumbed New their Brunswick. nose at the queen, huh? Oh, oh yeah,
2: yeah, you
1: missed yeah. New Brunswick, you missed the Yukon, and you missed, uh, Manitoba.
2: Manitoba? Yeah. That's not even a thing. Manitoba.
0: Now, Matthew, name the Manitoba. largest state in Mexico. Uh,
1: I don't, I don't pretend to know any Mexican states.
2: I should know this. The largest state in Mexico is Mexico City.
0: No, that's the largest city in Mexico. Chihuahua <laughs> is the largest state in Mexico.
1: I thought Chihuahua, was which a is town.
0: weird because it's a small. Dog. It's also it's also a very small town in Mexico too.
1: On the border, right?
0: Yep, on the border.
1: Ah, uh, I know. Yeah, like that.
0: Yep. Are all right. But hey, listen, Mexico. this show is not... So we're using all of this time to basically uh, fill Rodrigo's slot. He couldn't be here this yeah, week because, again, <laughs> patreon.com slash major spoilers. Um, but uh, hopefully he will return next week. But instead, yeah. now that we're done with uh, that segment of the show, your world geography section, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the comic strips of the 1930s. Uh, specifically, Mandrake the Magician, <laughs> the Hidden Kingdom Murderers. From 1935, and I was reading the introduction part of this book where the authors are basically claiming that uh, because Mandrake travels around and he's got a cape and he solves uh, all these problems for people and he predates mm-hmm. Superman and Batman by, you know, uh, uh, three and five years, respectively, uh, that basically he's one of the very first superheroes. I mean, I think you could I make guess. that argument. I mean, you could. I, I mean, i at one point they describe him as him as a masked man. And I'm like, no, he's not a masked man. Uh, Mandrake travels the world with his companion Lothar and uh, he never wears a mask.
1: Lothar, oh. the prince from Volchtron. Talking about Lothar, no. but
2: not Prince Lothar. Different guy. No. Um are
1: we but, sure? Yeah. Pretty sure. Lothar
0: in this case. <laughs> so here's the thing. Um mm-hmm. I will give credit to Mandrake the magician mm-hmm. and Lee Falk and Phil Davis for including a person of color in their comic book in the 1930s, who has a very strong viable role in the stories that are being told.
3: Well, uh, yes. Well he, is
0: the, he is the sidekick of Mantrake. Mm-hmm. He is very strong. He has no problem beating the crap out of people and throwing them off a bridge into a fiery pit. If it suits his needs, um, yep. he can conk people on the head and, and fight with, uh, Rhinoceroses or some other things that he fights in this thing when they go to the circus. Unfortunately, he is also written with a 1930s mentality of someone who is black, uh, very, someone very who would pigeon dialect. Yeah, someone who would be from from Africa with the, yeah, as Matthew mm-hmm. said, the pigeon dialect, the the clipped uh, sentences. But I don't. But he never comes across. I mean, there's one point where Lothar is really He's hungry because incapable. they're no, no, no. He's very smart, right? Um, but at the same time, he's not written as someone that you might see from, uh, what was the, the was it? Kingfisher uh, radio show or Amos and Andy kind of uh, mm-hmm. approaches. But if you are going to pick up some of these classic books, realize that the black character of Lothar is still not... Great. Doesn't sit well for today. I mean, it's. I was actually surprised. I was really expecting, oh, you know, calling you know him a savage or calling him other right. things throughout the book. But they never do, which I was very surprised that that didn't yeah. happen considering the time period that these comics came out. And these are the Sunday yeah, strips. These aren't comic. These aren't comic books. These are the Sunday color strips, uh, Sunday pages. Yeah.
2: Well, and Mandrake wasn't primarily a comic hero. He was a he was a strip hero with the Phantom and Flash He Gordon, was a defender of the earth, defenders of the earth. Uh, the thing that you run into with this, though, is it it's easy to look at it and only see the negative, but you can also see some positive. I mean, he is not the most sensitive portrayal, but as this particular these two years of strips progress he actually seems to get less problematic in the right. earliest strips you know he is drawn with the very cartoonish you know over uh exaggerated facial features that you expect but by the end of the 37 not only has his dialect kind of slowed a little better it's not quite as broken but the character is drawn more realistically and mm-hmm. you know less um stereotypically comic wise anyway. And I really appreciate the fact that, you know, by the end of these 37 strips, he's almost your standard, you know, um, Sidekick. almost your Mr. Your Dr. Watson character
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: where, you know, he's, he's there for Mandrake to deliver exposition to occasionally do something that he couldn't. And of course, you yeah, know,
0: to be a strong man.
2: Right. Being the power side of the equation is nice, but mm-hmm. he does, by the end of 37, he's still speaking a little bit of bizarro speak. Yeah. And, you know, it, I can understand if you were to read this, um, my kid came through and saw a panel, one of the early panels, and said, why is he gray? And I'm like, because he's supposed to be an African. And they were like, well, that's terrible. And I'm like, Sorry. And they were like, "Why are you reading this? I think it's racist." I'm like, "We're reading it for the major spoilers podcast," and they looked at me and said, "You need to stop reading that now, Father."
0: And I'm like, eh, "Maybe not." I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's problematic, but it's not horrible. Like I said, it's not. It's not your Amos and Andy uh, level of right. characterizations of people who are black. Uh, well,
1: it's it's yeah. kind of like I said about Titans. Like you have to meet this. W- where it is and and when it is yeah. in time because this mm-hmm. is now
0: yeah in,
1: in you, kind of a historical document which is right. you know it's yeah. strange no, it thing yeah. to say but it is of an era and you have to sort of suss out for yourself whether or not how much malice you think has gone into this because there is a difference between ignorance and and malice and mm-hmm. right i don't i don't think it's meant in in cold blood I think right. it's just yeah. know, where media was. Unfo- it doesn't make it okay, mm-hmm. But I don't think it. I, I think it makes it less painful.
0: I think it's that's a great observation. Like. I was going to say, I think that's a great observation, Ashley. Because uh, so I'm teaching a video production class this semester, and one of the things that I like to do in the class is ask the students to tell me their favorite movies. In past semesters, all their favorite movies have been from the last five years. This is the first time that I've had students in the class that were actually picking movies that predate my birth. Uh one of the students said her favorite movie was Breakfast at Tiffany's. And I said, well, Breakfast at Tiffany's is a good movie, but it has major problematic parts in the form of Mickey mm-hmm. Rooney. Uh and his role is depicting a an Asian Japanese. Uh, was he uh, the um uh landlord? And so we had to talk about that and how when you look at things from the past, you do have to rec- recognize that there are people looked at things differently and you know, whether you treat it as a slur or you treat it as straight up racism or whatever that it may be. These were things that were at the time kind of accepted. And so when you look at this through like what Matthew and I do on the Legion Clubhouse, when we look at a lot of these old and sometimes very problematic stories from 50 years ago, we have to look at it through the lens of today and say, well, back then maybe that was acceptable, but today those aren't the things that we would consider acceptable. And so I think when we look at this um, beyond the other huge problems these, this uh, collection has. Mm-hmm. The character of Lothar, while problematic, isn't the worst thing about this book. And in
2: a lot of ways, comparatively to similar media, a lot of characters like you run into, uh, Marvel Comics had Whitewashed Jones. Mm-hmm. DC mm-hmm. has a number of characters. DC actually has more characters who had offensive uh, Mexican and uh, middle uh, South American accents that were, you know, very much pointed out
1: comics from like the nineties that had people of Mm -hmm. color who were fully just orange.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Almost. I would say looking at this, you could make an argument that comparatively to some of the strips of the same era. Falk is actually relatively progressive. I mean, because there are times when Lothar saves the main character. Lothar is Mm -hmm. driving the Mm -hmm. plot. Mm -hmm. Lothar is an important part of Mandrake's life here. And, yeah and then, of course, we get to the colonialism
0: uh, but that's- well, which is uh, which also I thought was very weird because they traveled to this place in the first story, the hidden Kingdom of murderers, and I'm thinking, okay, so they're traveling, I think to um, Africa or South America or something in the first story, I'm like, oh great, so we're going to see all the bad guys are people of color, and it's like, nope, it's all white guys, all the bad guys in this entire collection are nothing but white guys, which I also found very fascinating from that standpoint um and i don't know I don't know what falker davis's um ideology was mm-hmm. and that may have been the point of why they kept using white men as the as the villains um they could have had their own hidden agenda and why they didn't you know m- portray lothar as as in worse than than they could have um mm-hmm. but i i did find that very surprising now the the thing that was the probably the most atrocious and i want to get ashley's uh weigh in on this was the, the how women were depicted and treated uh, in, in these uh, collections because man your uh, anti feminism uh, uh, streak certainly showed its hand in this collection uh
1: yeah as as it often does in adventure stories as someone who loves Sherlock Holmes every woman in those stories with the exception of Irene Adler is like fairly useless uh, it's just you know a nice reminder that if you're a woman you're still worse than everyone else. <laughs>
0: And what's really weird is like every female character that we are introduced to in here is a damsel in distress mm-hmm. yeah. who is being, uh you know, is being kidnapped because the bad person wants, wants her for his wife. I want to make her my queen. I mean, like four times a woman is kidnapped I because mean, we're the like, person we're wants we're to make him my queen. I mean,
1: we're like step above everyone getting sexually assaulted, <laughs> truly. Yeah.
0: And there's probably an implication that at least I think in the prince, uh, the, um, yeah, the what the Indian story um, that mm-hmm. there's probably the implication of rape in there. But then the the woman who changes the the sidekick who Mandrake uh, has uh, who changes into a, a tiger all the time. You know, it's like, Wait. oh, here's a really powerful character that uh, it's OK if she gets kidnapped. She'll just turn into a cougar and then she will uh, come back to us and she'll be back to normal again. But even then, the man that they are accompanying in his adventure by the end of the story is like, I must marry her. And she's like, OK, I'll marry him. And it's just like that's that's it for our female protagonists in this story. Is they're just there to serve, yeah, you know, as the as the object well, of I mean, affection they, for them: Twenty-five,
1: the they're practically grown. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. And, and uh,
2: yeah. you know, I mean, Mandrake, Mandrake started in like 1934, and I want to say that Lee Falk did Mandrake for the better part of 20 years. It oh, yeah, he, d- he did change. it. I think it until does expand.
0: Until the 60s or 70s, something like that.
2: I want to say he died in like 66, but I may be crazy. It's hard to say. Um, But you also, you know, when I go through this, I'm taken by a couple of things. This, as someone who reads a lot of comic books, this isn't structured like a comic book. The comic strip that they're doing here is, you know, I don't even want to say episodic, but... There's something about it that's very weird, and we get to the end of, either, yeah. you know, stories, and it's just kind of an anticlimactic, okay, Rita's now a bride, bye, next week we're yeah. back to the land of the fakirs. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. So Falk I think a part of that is a really good writer in some of the stuff that I've read, but this is just kind of like well, do do, do, do do Well, and I, I think
0: part of that is because— Man, that, so most comic strips, and again, I, I'm repeating things that people already know, is you have your daily strips, which are the little thin black and white stuff. And then on Sunday, you have the big full color color stuff. And oftentimes, when we look at here in Mandrake or when we look at the other one, Prince Valiant is follows this exact same format as Mandrake. Oh,
1: yeah, Prince Valiant. The,
0: the, we, the daily strip... Is a totally separate story from the Sunday strip because not everybody gets the daily paper, but everybody gets the Sunday paper and the comic section is the one that you want to read. So what's weird is in that time that a week takes place, uh, people may forget, uh, what has happened in the week before if they don't collect or keep their, their comic section from their Sunday uh, paper. So what's weird is like the first third of every installment is kind of a recap of what happened before and then a little something, a little action happens in the middle third. And then in the last third, you have some kind of a cliffhanger moment, some kind of uh, trouble that everybody gets into. So that when you come back the next week, you know, the prince is still riding his horse to the kingdom. And, and it really struck me when we got to the hidden kingdom of the murderers, where at the end of one uh, week, they, the invisible guy releases all the homing pigeons to go out to all the murderers of the world. And then, like, the very next week, while they're fighting these guys off still, all the murderers of the world are converging. I'm like, well, that's really weird writing. Until you realize, well, it's kind of been a week since, since that story kind of took place. Maybe they have come in that time period. So I think it's the way that the story is presented kind of mandates that you have to mm-hmm. tell it in that kind of structure. Where it's like, let's recap, let's tell a little bit of progress, and then let's give a cliffhanger to say, come back next week.
2: Or even Mandrake's. Yeah, And I I do get it. I think that Sunday strips especially are, are sort of maligned because of that. Because back in, you know, at this point in time, when you would go to the movies, you could go and the first thing you'd see would be your cartoon and then you'd have a newsreel and then you'd see like a serial. And the serials had that same thing where it started with a recap of what you saw last week. And then we go into the next chapter and it ends with that big cliffhanger. So I always, you know, when I see comic strip work, I always kind of think of a comic strip, especially a Sunday strip, is more like serial storytelling, like Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. chapter four, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, a comic book, which is more like a television series or an episode of a radio program. But I noticed throughout this particular arc that, or this particular book, there are points where that doesn't happen. Where, you know, you're like, hey, Lothar is on, uh, he's up on the tightrope, and the bad guy is, oh no, he's going to kill him. And then all of a sudden, Mandrake can fly, because why not? But you do get to a point in this story where I almost missed the recaps, especially when oh, you in get some into, cases, uh, yeah. into the circus people. Not so much mm-hmm. in uh, the Prince Paulo story, the last story in the arc, but the circus people story just kind of goes and goes and goes and some of it is actually pretty cool with interestingly it's going, and going, and
0: going Yeah. Interestingly, my thoughts on the circus story were kind of the same as my thoughts of the circus story that we have on our new Legion Clubhouse, which people were listening to in a in a few days, where uh the events take place at a circus. And so it's like, well let's go visit the freak show part of the circus. Let's go visit the the lions. Let's go visit this section of the of the circus. And that's kind of how that Mandrake story kind of played out, where it's like every time they went to another area of the circus, something was going on that Mandrake had to use his magic to put a stop to. Yeah. Which I thought was rather odd.
2: I had thought, and I may be crazy, but I had thought that Mandrake didn't have superpowers, that he would just he would use his hypnotizing powers.
0: That's but why throughout the,
2: this, he's like, you know, doing stuff where he's like, I'm a giant. And now this guy is floating and now I can fly up into the sky. And I'm like, these, these can't all just be, you know, hypnotic states. You're, that's you're the implication, right? Magic there.
0: I mean, that's the implication, right? Cause then that one uh, episode, the Fakir one where the guy's wow. constantly covering his eyes because he's like, oh, don't look at his eyes, because if if uh, you see his eyes, he will hypnotize you into doing all these things. And then you're right. He does straight up magic that is not hypnotism.
2: Yeah, he opens an umbrella and just sort of floats down like Harry yeah. Poppins. And
0: yeah, I don't know. I know. There's
2: I, the point where Lothar throws the guy into the fiery pit and Mandrake telekinetically yeah. lifts him back out. Yeah. I'm like, this is not hypnosis, I... man.
0: I don't know how, Ashley, how did you feel about these stories? Because I got to tell you, I didn't like a single one of these stories. Not because of their content, but just because they're just poorly done.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, they're cool. I I don't know. This was hard. Um, this was a slog. Um, Unfortunately, Um, I have actually read a bunch of Prince Valiant, and I think it is infinitely more readable. And I don't know if it is because that is a historical time period. It might be. That we're familiar with and we're willing to give more leeway to. Um,
2: I think part of that is that Hal Foster is just a really good writer.
1: I mean, maybe. Maybe. (laughs) maybe 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 Maybe. i do think though there is like good and interesting stuff here i think it would be i think it's prime for a reboot actually um i think you could do some really interesting stuff with these characters with this type of setting um but maybe you know maybe we're all just like too modern for this type of storytelling now maybe well and it's
0: but again, and this again goes to a little bit of a preview for this week's Legion Clubhouse. Where Legion Clubhouse is just lifting the the tropes of a detective story. They're just lifting like every single fairy tale you've ever heard in this. Right. I mean, you've got the Ali Baba and the 40 Thieves or Aladdin and the 40 Thieves. You've got the 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 Midas touch story that's in here. You literally have them referencing Alice in Wonderland and then saying, oh, yes, we're literally ripping off from Alice in Wonderland in here. Uh, I, you know, it was just like, wow, I've, I've heard all of these stories before in other places that probably predate them appearing in these Mandrake tales. And so I was very disappointed in really all you're doing is retelling this Midas touch story in the last, what, four weeks of your, of your story. And I was just kind of disappointed in the, what do I want to say? Not the stealing, but kind of the laziness of just like, oh yeah, let's just borrow this story and, and make it our own. I guess kind of Disney's the same way, right? It's like, let's take these public domain stories, make them our way, our, our, our own way, slap a copyright on them so that no one can ever tell a Cinderella story again without hearing from Hello L-O-L. Us. Yeah.
2: L-O-L. And there's something to be said for that. I, I feel like that's definitely something that is happening here, but also, you know, when we talk about stories that are nearly 100 years old, especially when you're talking about something like a comic strip that was essentially meant to be pretty much disposable. You do see, you know, moments where it's less, a uh, let's, you know, make a reference to beauty and the beast and let's just do it. Yeah. You know, you, you get to a point in here and by the way, we need to talk about the actual reproduction of these strips in a moment. But before we get to that, you do get to a point within here where, it's clearly just, yep, we're we're doing a mm-hmm. thousand and one nights or, mm-hmm. you know, we're doing the greatest show on earth and with with Mandrake. And I feel like that may be part of the reason why people remember the people yeah. who remember these strips as fondly as they do remember them because of those, you know, archetypical heavy duty moments where you're just like, oh, my God, this is Beauty and the Beast. Or right. this is that uh, movie where, you know, Jimmy Stewart never takes off his face paint
0: or. I mean, it also might be the fact that, you know, I was telling my students today that, you know, my Kindle app, I've got 600 books sitting on that Kindle app. You know, back in the 1600s, if you had four books, you were considered one of the richest people on the planet because you could afford four books. And I'm wondering if that's not the same thing. You know, we're depression, depression era uh, storytelling that's coming out here. People may not have access to libraries or lots of books or lots of other entertainment. And the one source of entertainment that they're getting is through the comic books uh, or the comic uh, sections of their newspapers. And that might be their main form of literature and reading um, because they don't have access to that other stuff. So to them, this tale of, of the Midas touch is, Oh, well that's something new to me. I've never heard this tale before, but to other people who might have 10 books, yeah, they're familiar with that. Yeah. And you're bringing it, you know, you're bringing it to new audiences. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Well, I mean, possibly new audiences. No, I, I,
0: I honestly think that during this time period, that that's probably one of the things is that there are new audiences who have never heard of these things before. Oh yeah. Uh, but let's, let's oh, go ahead and finish. And then I want to jump over to the art.
2: I, I was actually going to mention the art as we transition into, because, this, is this all by the same artist? Is this all by Davis?
0: Phil Davis, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So, throughout the two year stretch of this book, Phil Davis really, really changes his style and gets much, much more complex and much more,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I'm going to say, pretty.
0: Um, oh, yeah. When, by the time you get to the circus storyline and you've got that, the trains are crashing into each other. Holy crap, that's a magnificent panel.
2: Yeah, and you get you know you look at these early uh, the earliest chapters here, and I can't honestly tell because it's clear that the reproduction on the earliest chapters that we see in this book it has the original lettering in it, mm-hmm. whereas some of the later chapters don't. I think right about the time you hit Land of the Fakirs, the lettering has clearly been redone, and it looks like it yes, may actually for be for sure. A- yeah, that's a computerized font. And I'm wondering if it's a question of the original lettering just being completely illegible. But throughout that first arc, and I'm I'm looking at this at 150%, you guys, in a digital copy.
0: I was looking at it at 200. Yeah, this is a copy yeah, that, from, uh, I think, Fanagraphics or IDW. No, I'm sorry, Titan Comics. Titan Comics. Some of the teeny tiny...
2: Some little of the baby Titans
1: baby is baby. shaking their fists at the sky right now.
2: I know, no, we're sorry. Good. Titan's awesome. But you look at it, and some of it is just impossible to read. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if it was an intentional decision to only re-letter the ones that were absolutely illegible. or yeah, In, in an attempt to,
0: as Ashley said, this is a historical document, so let's try to preserve as much of this mm-hmm. as we can.
2: Right. Preserve yeah. as much as we can. But you also look at the coloring, you know, the painting that we see in this gets much, much more sophisticated and deep as we go on. And, you know, by the time we get to the end of 1937, you have a Lothar who looks like a human being and has a human being's skin tone. And yes, he's huge, but he's proportioned like an actual person. Whereas in the first strips from 35 here, some of them, you're just like, he's this, you know, jet black monstrous creature. And, it's really interesting to see uh, if this is the original, you know, coloring reproduction, the way it would look, how much Phil Davis evolved as an artist throughout this arc, because
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: this is a beautiful comic. I mean, this is great to look at. If you just scroll through the pages and scroll and scroll and scroll, there's really good looking stuff on every single page.
0: Yeah. Ashley, some thoughts on the art.
1: I think the art for the most part, there are some weird transfers or scans or whatever, which happens a lot with older stuff like this. I think the art overall is pretty good. And mm-hmm. I like this. I always thinking of this as like hyper detailed. Like it reminds me of an etching almost. Oh yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. probably the thing that adds the most whimsy to it of all the artistic elements that, you know, we have as they are.
0: I think bottom line for me on this book is if you want to go back and look at. This from a historical perspective, I, I would say snatch it up and, and look at it from the historical perspective. From the art perspective, I think the art is good. You can see evolution of the art. Story-wise, though, I think the stories in here go from good to I hate this story with a passion. I'm looking at you, uh, <laughs> Kingdom of the Crystal Men and the Metal Men and the Robot Peoples. I hated that story with crystal a
2: Crystal skull. Yes. I liked that one. That one was, actually. I just goofy. thought
0: that one was the dumbest one. And then the second dumbest one was the, um, the upside down kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one was really dumb. It just, it, the Fakir one, the circus one, and the hidden kingdom ones were the ones that I think had the most. Interesting stuff. The most action in it, uh, of them all. So for me, if you can check this out from a library, definitely check it out from a library. Um, I'm not saying to go out and buy this. If you're someone that's a, that really wants to get some Mandrakes in your life, uh, Dynamite Entertainment has been doing the Defenders series on and off. And they have several collections of the Defenders that include uh, Mandrake and Lothar and Flash Gordon and the Phantom all doing their Defenders of the Earth uh, shtick. Uh, I would probably go and read that as opposed to to this. But from a historical perspective, definitely check it out. But from a, should I just read this? Eh, Check it out from the library or borrow it from somebody. Matthew, what say you?
2: This is 100% a historical document, which means that if you want it and you're willing to pay for it as a historical document, then you already know that the answer is yes, I definitely want this. I can't necessarily recommend it as a narrative, but it is really fascinating to read through this and see the evolution of, you know, two young creators going through and, you know, upping their craft. And it is, you know, the the cover copy is all breathlessly telling you how this is the first superhero. And I, I mean, I'll give it to him with an asterisk. I mean, he is as much a superhero as, you know, Tarzan or the Scarecrow or of the Romney Marsh. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, Le Deloup, El Zorro, the Scarlet Pimpernel, all of these, you know, proto-pulpy superhero guys. But if you come in here trying to say, I'm looking for superhero action, you're going to be disappointed. And if you come in here saying, I'm looking for something that is, you know, that feels like a modern story, comic book story, television story, you're going to be disappointed. But... If you're willing to sit down and, you know, kind of wrap your mind around it and take into account the, you know, the Whoopi Goldberg uh, caveat that we see in front of the censored 11 shorts uh, that always says, you know, some of these depictions are wrong. They were wrong then and they're wrong now and they're here to, you know, to remind us that it happened and that people actually thought this way. And that's not just Lothar. That's some of the colonialism. That's the treatment of the women. That's some of the moments where you're just like, yep, this person is a complete idiot. And it's definitely there for the sideshow. Um, but I also feel like there's something to be said for just getting a chance to look at these stories and see, you know, where the stories that we love came from. So I wouldn't necessarily say rush right out in a buying frenzy, but rush right out with your library card. I would definitely fall behind.
0: Yeah. Ashley, you get the final say this week.
1: I think you all have said it better than I, I think if this interests you from an artistic standpoint, from a storytelling standpoint, from a completionist standpoint or from a historical standpoint, it's definitely worth checking out. It's, I mean, I've read stuff written, uh, in the modern day, that is more offensive. I've also read a lot of stuff that's less offensive. It's yeah. a pretty good example um, of this, a pretty good snapshot of this era of storytelling in this style. I don't think it is um as universal or as readable as uh, other Pulp heroes or even other strips, but I didn't have a totally bad time reading this, um, and it was a really neat thing to have a look at for the podcast. So I would say this is definitely a, like get on your hooplas, get on your Libby's, get on your, uh, major spoilers, comicsology affiliate affiliate code, uh, and, and get it in a digital format.
0: Mm-hmm. There we go. You know, uh, I was a little concerned because I really wasn't paying attention when I scheduled these to have the black mage and then Mandrake back to back. But mm-hmm. I was really worried that Mandrake was really going to dip into some very negative territories and it yeah. wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. So, Thumbs up right there uh, for that. Next week, we are jumping back into some Shang-Chi comics because we do have that Shang-Chi movie coming up on September 3rd. Some of us probably won't get to see it until October, but uh, that is what we're going to do next time. And I think that's where we're going to wrap it up for this issue. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers Experience.
2: As always, we want your feedback on Mandrake, this episode, and our impersonations of French people. So, join the rest of the cool kids at the Major Spoilers Discord server. You can share your thoughts and reactions to this and every episode.
1: Or drop us an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com, and you might hear your words on an upcoming
2: episode. Also, don't forget you can support the show and everything we do at Major Spoilers by becoming a patron at Patreon.com forward slash Spoilers.
0: It's the only way we're going to get Rodrigo and Ashley on the show at the same time.
2: That's right. They are no longer allowed to be in the room
0: at the same time. Uh, Okay. That is where we're going to wrap it up. Thank you. We will be back next week. Why? Because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you soon.
3: what a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm star rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine being in the Middle East With a king's Santo throwing soldier what a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, whoa, wow whoa, 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 what a major spoiler. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.